We're going to take a look at a report from Headset on beverages, looking at the popularity of both the U.S. and Canada in the U.S. reaching popularity of about 1.1% market share versus Canada at 2.1%, even though they started much later than us. So we're going to dive into segments in the U.S. like uh, drops and mixes, elixirs, syrups, different segments making up about a third of the market. We'll find out what Canada is doing coming up next. It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. We heard a lot about edibles during the pandemic, but looking at beverages over the last couple of years since January of 2020, you see that um, sales being introduced into Canada being their 2.0 rollout. Initially, they just were allowed baby steps. They had flour first, and then they were allowed other products like edibles and beverages uh, after that. So looking at some of that, you can kind of see that, again, the category increased to 1.8% of the total market share uh, for beverages by 2020, uh, and then continue to see some growth into Canada throughout 2021 to get to 2.1% by December of 2021. Looking at the U.S., a little bit slower growth, probably because it's more expensive. Um, I actually don't know that for sure. I'm hoping to get up to Canada here shortly for uh, an industry expo. But uh, in the meantime, looking at market share increasing from 0.9 to 1.1% by January 2020. So not a huge amount of people buying it again, maybe because there's not a lot of options, a lot of sugary drinks. Um, you know, even though California will get into it, I think California has over 500 different beverages, which is insane. Curious if any of those are coffee. <laughs> Coming from Seattle, we don't have infused coffee yet. Uh, they got K cups, but come on, it's not coffee. So I mentioned California going a little bit gangbusters uh, on beverages. On the graph, they're the dark blue line that just kind of peaked out of nowhere February 2021 from 300 to um, almost 600 before realizing that it's uh, uh, maybe a bit too much. <laughs> You see kind of the, the number of beverage product options. Um, some of them are little vials of you know syrup or, or small beverages that have 100 milligrams. Other ones are 12 to 16 ounces. So they differ in, in uh, pricing and milligrams. Um, uh, but I guess if you want to see what the beverage industry is doing, go to California because there's way too many. Uh, at least I'm hoping at least one of those is coffee. Canada is a lot more in lockstep. So that's maybe... I don't know. That's a little bit weird. I guess that they're all in kind of unison following one another. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Uh, they may just kind of fall flat like they did uh, with the overproduction of flour up there, but I guess we'll have to see what the trends are doing. Similar to, I guess, what we're seeing in California, the introduction of beverages and then explosive like hockey stick straight up, you know, uh, performance with explosive growth. I'm looking at, um, Again, uh, the whole gamut, right, from syrups to, to beverages. Interesting that Alberta would take most products, 110 different distinct beverage products rather than Ontario. Kind of an interesting little uh, take out there. So let's break this down, kind of see within the beverage category what's working because uh, some stuff doesn't or it's seasonal, like lemonade is, is going to be short um, seasonal or local base maybe somebody in some area 
likes lemonade all year round. I don't know. Uh, but looking at the U.S., they're looking at drops and mixes those elixirs and syrups. That's about a third of the beverage sales. Uh, carbonated beverages were second largest segment at 26%. And then uh, iced tea lemonade fruit segment did well at 22%. In Canada, very different story. So in contrast to what the U.S. is doing, the um, drops and mixers, elixir strips, that's only 4.7%. So it's one out of 20 people are doing that instead of a third up in the U.S. Uh, carbonated beverages, they made up 51%. So they like their bubbly. They like their, their sodas, their pop, soda pop. <laughs> uh, Another difference, I guess, when you look at Canada, um, water segment in Canada accounted for 20% of sales, but only 8% of sales in the U.S. CBD water, yes, but um, I mean, there's a huge shift away, though, in like, generally speaking, non-cannabis, massive, massive shift away from beverages in the U.S. Uh, and maybe that's because people aren't going, you know, some people aren't going to work. Uh, some people are working from home, and then they're not going to... Um, a lot of people just want to get out of the office, right? And so they're going to go and they're going to buy stupid stuff. And a lot of that is going to be coffee or beverages. So some of these Red Bulls and energy drinks and sugary, all of that stuff is all the same. And there's um, an overall decline with all of that. And I think that trend is much bigger. It's going into more healthier options and people in the U.S. are looking for better alternatives in general, I think I said earlier that the price must be lower up in Canada. It definitely is. They came out about 16 and then hit the floor at six. Six dollars <laughs> is the average price. Whereas in the US, it's uh, you know, 12 bucks, I guess. So average item price is very, very different. $16.21 is what it started at um, in Canada and then dropped significantly to $6.58. In the US with an average of $14.40 per product, I'd rather go and get RSO. Um, you know, it's, it's not going to go bad. It's not going to be too sweet. Uh, actually, it's going to taste like trash. <laughs> if you've ever eaten RSO, it's disgusting. Uh, but I'd rather get a gram of RSO, 1,000 milligrams, for uh, a little bit more than the 100 milligrams I'm getting with some sugary drink. But that's my preference. What do you guys like? So the average item price kind of um, tells one part of the story, but there's different regulations, different potency, different limits. So we're going to look at an equivalized price per milligram or EQ price that should kind of level everything else out. So on this chart, we see in the U S Canada, the price per milligram consistently becoming cheaper for consumers. Uh, given the limitations of 10 milligrams in, in Canada, you can have hundred milligrams in the U S um, but with that limitation in Canada, not surprising that the EQ price significantly higher than in the U.S. So whether a product contains 10 or 100, they can cost significantly more throughout the supply chain than other cannabis product categories. So on a millig per milligram basis uh, in Canada, started off at $1.30, plummeted pretty quick to $0.95 cents per milligram. That's in U.S. dollars. Uh, in the U.S., trend is a little bit more consistent longer established history. Um, although people are like myself going to different forms because, you know, we're not going to go in there and buy 
drinks. I mean, Starbucks gets away with seven or $8 beverages. People buy that every day, but I guess there's some limitations, price and convenience, right? Again, uh, on, on buyer behavior. So if it's not convenient, they don't have drive-throughs, it's not cheap. People are only going to buy that maybe on a Friday, once a week, instead of once a day. So trends a little bit more stable in the U S uh, there's a decrease in that equalized, uh, price per milligram, um, and then we saw some innovations like uh, you know, nano emulsion for a faster uptake. And then, so 18 cents per milligram of THC is what we saw in 2020 and then dropped almost 40%. So it's 11 cents per milligram of THC in uh, 2022. We still don't have six packs yet of beverages, but um, you know, saw some guy walking down the street at like noon with a 24 pack of of beer. So maybe eventually we'll, we'll get into that market of, of bulk buying beverages. But in the meantime, looking at the beverage category, as it pertains to packaging, sizing, uh, looking at products in the U S differentiated from, from Canada, um, attributed to regulatory differences. So in Canada, unable to have more than 10 milligrams, which would suck. It's such a waste of packaging and plastic and everything else. So um, pretty silly, but you got to buy basically 10 times the amount of, of packaging and everything else just to get the, the equivalent. So I definitely wouldn't be bothering with that. Um, again, hundred milligrams in the U S so looking at Canada, there's a 57% of the beverages sold in 2021 contain zero to five milligrams. The rest of beverages sales are um, 10 milligrams of THC. That's 42%. And then some had, um, Various amounts ranging from five to 10 milligrams. But in the US, over half of the beverage units sold in 2021 had 100 milligrams. So that's the top end limit in, in a, most of those markets. So, Canada, more variation, beverage packaging, sizing, second largest segment in the US contains 10 milligrams. So, about 18% have 10, and then more than half have uh, the full 100. Here's some companies that are out there doing it. Keith Cola, I think they're based out of California and Ray's Lemonade. Um, some of these guys are, are some of the early entrants in the beverage market. So top 10 brands have a competitive landscape. Beverages are one of the most difficult um, products to make. So unless you have deep, deep pockets, this is not something you want to even touch. It's one of the most expensive markets, one of the most difficult um, and then when federal legalization happens, you have to be available to do regional bottling uh, and have a lot of partnerships. And most people are not capable of doing that. I mean, if you look in the regular world, there's Pepsi and then there's there's Coke, right? And they have all these other, other um, brands to try and get their own appeal out to everybody. They both have like four different water brands. So that's, you know, that's what the, the traditional beverage industry is doing. And for a lot of these people, they may be regional players, but um, they're not going to be national players. It's just way too expensive. But in the meantime, multi-state operator is going to allow companies to get in. And then when federal legalization happens, like they're going to either be bought out or competed against to the point where those, those margins are going to make it really difficult to be a, a national player. But looking at the top 10 brands here, so consumers spent a collective $25 million on the major branded and $23 million on Keefe Cola products. Can Social also did uh, pretty well, $20 million in sales. And this last slide is looking at the top 10 beverage brands in Canada. 
Uh, XMG is the top one and every and then deep space. So looks like um, there's $16 million in sales since the launch of beverage, beverage products in Canada for uh, XMG. That's not too bad. Every, the next leader, they got 7 million. It's not too shabby. All right, all in all, beverages, popular item, uh, but not for the faint of heart, and especially ones that don't have deep, deep pockets. So we always continue to take a look at all of these different various segments. Um, beverages are interesting because uh, there's so much focus on that. Constellation Brands putting in $4 billion uh, up in Canada a couple of years ago. It was kind of the uh, eye-opening uh, moment where you know parent company Modelo and all these other uh, folks were obviously wanting to get into the game. So still taking a look at it, although in um, Washington State, in California, there's a, still a ban on CBD beverages, which is crazy. Um, but you can sell THC in, in the regulated markets. But to see what else happens in the cannabis beverage space, I'm going to come back to the Talking Hedge and find out. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Are you looking for the next great cannabis business to invest in? Then you need to check out the MJ Bulls podcast. Hi, I'm Dan Humston. Join me each week as I speak to both cannabis entrepreneurs who are raising capital and cannabis investors who are investing capital. Our 10-minute episodes are perfect for the busy investor. Start listening to the MJ Bulls podcast today, wherever you listen to podcasts, and who knows, maybe you'll discover the next cannabis unicorn.